Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McGinnis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Overdue episode of the Caregiver's Toolbox. My name is Ryan McInniff. I'm here with Janet. We are back together doing another episode. It has been way too long. And today we're talking about something very timely. Uh, we're talking about uh, sepsis, which has been brought up in the news because of our past president, George H.W. Bush, uh, got it um, and was hospitalized with it after his uh, untimely uh, death of his wife. And so we thought this would be a good time to talk about it because it's not something that everybody knows about. People don't talk about it much, but it causes a lot of chaos. Um, And a lot of people can pass away from it. So, Janet, you're my clinical person. You're amazing at all this stuff. We've always been the you're clinical, I am the business side of things. What is sepsis? Well, sepsis, it's also called septicemia. Some people generally refer to it as a form of blood poisoning. Um, And it's one of those things that it affects um, a large population, and yet only a third of Americans have ever even heard of it or know what it is. And it's due to an infection that usually when you get an infection, your body fights it off. You get a fever, and that's your body fighting it off. What sepsis is, is when your body goes into hyperdrive to try and kill an infection, and it ends up turning on your body, and it ends up damaging healthy stuff. And oftentimes, it, it can be fatal. So um, Obviously, it was close to, he was in critical condition at one point in time with this, so it certainly is an example of, of how quickly it seems to come on and the damage that it can do. Yeah, and it's one of those things that even for doctors can sometimes be a little bit to pick up, be a little bit difficult to pick up because the initial symptoms mimic a lot of other symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it can be a little tough. It, um, it The elderly are really susceptible to it because they probably already have some underlying medical conditions, so their immune system isn't that great to begin with. Um, people that are diabetics, they tend to have wounds that don't heal in a timely way, um, and especially people that have to use catheters, IVs, feeding tubes, anything that allows germs to come internal to to the body. And you think of um, former President Bush, aside from the, he, he covers all categories. The man has Parkinson's, the man is elderly, the man's immune system was very low just as part of the mourning process of having lost his wife. So what happens is your body just all of a sudden turns on itself to try and get rid of this germs, and it can cause organ failure, um, organ damage, cognitive disabilities. Um, and in some cases, it, it can move very quickly once, it's, uh, once you get it. And it's one of those things where about 50% of people that contract it um, do poorly or fail, um, or at the very least end up rehospitalized within three months. Yeah, and I was going to mention, like, just because you get over um, the initial diagnosis and you recuperate, that doesn't mean that there aren't lasting effects and ongoing complications that can come with this. Yes, 
and um, cognitive abilities are, are one of the things that can come up. And I was looking at some statistics, and I was even looking through the papers to see what people had to say about um, sepsis as a result of, of um, President Bush. And 40% of sepsis sepsis patients are re-hospitalized within three months. And these initial hospitalizations, that costs our healthcare system $5.5 billion. And that's only the first time in the hospital. Yeah. That doesn't count. Rehospitalizations, nursing homes, um, BNAs coming, private home care, or families that cut back on their jobs to support caregivers. And some of this damage can be um, permanent, lasting. Um, uh, people needing organ transplants, uh, forms of dementia. And one study that I was just reading up the other day said there's on average 20,000 new dementia cases in the elderly annually because of sepsis. And a lot of people, when they hear dementia, they think Alzheimer's, but this is something that has nothing to do with Alzheimer's. This is an infection, and it results in dement permanent dementia. Yeah, and obviously $5.6 billion a year is in pocket change, and like you said, that doesn't even include whatever rehospitalizations come with it, because people leave the hospital just because they might not come back for the same exact ailment. If they're so weak that they fall or they're so weak that they, they come back for another disease that because their immune system is so low and they're fighting, it just becomes a vicious cycle of going in and out of the hospital. And as we've said in other podcasts and in general, one of the worst places to take elderly people is the emergency room in the hospital oh. because there's a bunch of sick people there. Everybody's sick in there and it can be easy to come out just as sick if not sicker than when you went in. And that's not a knock on the hospital system. Yep. They're doing a great job. Um, but it's just a nature of the, the beast. And so many times we've we've seen patients, we've seen clients, and we've heard about where people go into the hospital and people have an idea that mom will get better, everything will be okay, and they'll come home feeling great. Yep. And they come home weighing less, less body mass or muscle mass. They're dehydrated just because of being in a different uh, a facility than being home causes stresses as well as being sick and trying to cope and get over with what they're doing. So there are plenty of different things that can occur once yeah. somebody's in the home that uh, maybe you weren't expecting that is going to be that collateral damage from this disease and from this infection. Excuse me, right. not disease, this infection. Yep. And bacteria, we know. It's like we, we joke around and talk about daycares being little Petri dishes. Yeah. And every kid shares it. The same thing can happen to adult daycare centers, any place that there is a congregation of germy people. Absolutely. You know, um, and as a result, you know, the last thing you want to do is have to take mom and dad to the hospital or even doctor's appointments during flu season or, you know, things of, of that nature. And it's really, really important to watch. Um, oftentimes this can come around as a result of pneumonia, which is very, very common in the elderly. So you have to, um, you have to watch that. Um, and that's why to your point, the hydration and, and making sure they're getting enough fluids, which is, 
probably the number one problem with elderly people because they're concerned about getting to the bathroom so they don't drink. And we've talked about UTIs. UTIs can become um, septic very, very easily. And people just don't have the health and the energy to fight it off. Um, I mean, you think President Bush had the best of care around the clock with his Parkinson's, and yet this is the situation he found himself Absolutely. in. Absolutely. So it's not... You know, just because you have the the means to be able to pay for it doesn't doesn't uh, mean that it's it's not going to happen for you. Yeah. Well, something I was looking at here. I mean, there's a there's a nice little acronym for um, sepsis, and the uh, the Sepsis Alliance offers the following acronym to help the public easily remember the telltale signs of sepsis. So S is shivering due to a fever over 101. E is extreme pain or general discomfort. It's a little vague, but We'll work with it. P <laughs> is pale or discolored skin. That should be easy to see. The uh, the next S in sepsis is for sleepiness, confusion, or changes in consciousness. And then the I is I feel like I might die or similar remarks um, from a patient. That kind of goes back to the extreme pain or general discomfort. And then the final S is shortness of breath. So kind of going back to what you said, as, as, as you know, I'm sure that I, I don't know the Sepsis Alliance that well. Um, I'm sure they're all good people over there trying to do their part. But there's a lot of vague, vague descriptions or, or uh, symptoms in that acronym, right? You know, you're dealing with, right. with, with extreme pain, general discovery, shivering due to a fever. So maybe you think somebody just has the cold or the flu. Um, you know, it's just, there's, it's, it just proves your point, what you're talking about, that it's not exactly the easiest to pinpoint and say, oh, this is that right there. I know exactly what this is because it's a lot of vague, um, general symptoms that Right. And in some cases, thing. depending upon what the other underlying medical conditions are, if someone suffers from shortness of breath, yeah. that's their baseline. Yeah. So. When I think what they're trying to get to with acronyms like this is if these things are not part of the norm, or as the clinical people call it, the baseline for that person, and at the same time, if an elderly person has underlying medical conditions and they develop a fever or have a cold, you got to watch them that much closer because you and I can... Maybe be out a day if it's a really bad cold and we bounce back. This can quickly go downhill for an elderly person. So it's really, you know, what what is their norm and of these things. As far as shivering, um, the aging process thins your skin. And you go to an assisted living, you go to a nursing home, and people have got their ski jackets on in July, and you go into their room and you could grow orchids in there because they keep (laughs) the heat so high. Absolutely. So there's what is normal, but then there's, this is more so. Absolutely. And that's when you have to watch it. Because everybody's baseline is different, and so you're going to have to, just like you said, take that into consideration. You know, if somebody's always wanting it to be warm, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have... A disease that might just be what their baseline is. That's interesting, though. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's so. Uh, and stress lowers your immune system. Yeah, you know. And I mean, George Bush, who knew his wife since he was seventeen or something, that was a tremendous loss to him. Other family members, when they lose a spouse, their immune system is very vulnerable. 
or certain holiday seasons, especially if someone has some kind of dementia because there's memories and it, it, it wears you down. You know how you're tired yeah. after a major event. Well, if you've got a low immune system, you're a little more fragile. It, it completely makes sense. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that just thought he was sick or just saw, you know, they, they, they chop it up to just, oh, he was, you know, he was immune system. A bug got in a bug. Well, this bug is a serious uh, issue and it causes a lot of uh, damage throughout the, the country on a yearly basis when it comes to hospitalizations, rehospitalizations, and obviously people's health. Yep. And then people like us get calls where it's like, hey, we need private home care because somebody needs to be there around the clock to make sure they get better for the three or four days, the week, the two weeks, whatever it is, until they get um, yep. back on the, the mend. When they come home doesn't mean they're better. And unfortunately, that's <laughs> the case. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Janet. And uh, thank you all for listening to the Caregiver's Toolbox, Tools for Everyday Caregiving. Uh, we will see you on the next call. Thank you. Thank you.